and welcome back to Take One, the podcast that brings you just one magical page of Talmud every day. And in today's page, Eruvin 87, a kind of strange, comforting, philosophical, watery question. Does a lake count as an Eruv? Here's what the rabbis ask. And we can likewise say that Rabbi Hanania ben Akavia stated his opinion only there in the case of the balcony with regard to the Sea of Tiberias, i.e. the Sea of Galilee, since it has clearly defined banks around it and towns and enclosures surround it on all sides. The Sea of Galilee is surrounded by clear boundaries on all sides and is therefore somewhat similar to a private domain in appearance. Consequently, even a minor adjustment is sufficient. However, with regard to other waters, no, Rabbi Hanania ben Akaviah did not permit this practice. Rabbi Tzvi Senensky, thank you so much for joining us and helping us through this philosophical and practical question. Thank you so much, Liel. I appreciate it. And it's a pleasure and an honor to be on together with you. Part of the reason that we're having the opportunity to discuss this is I've, I've had recently the privilege to begin working on the archives of Rabbi Dr. Norman Lamb, the third president of Yeshiva University. And uh, one of the, the very interesting pieces of the sermons that are housed on this new website, which is really extraordinary, is actually a sermon that goes directly to the question of of not just Eruv, uh, not just the partition, but specifically the role of a sea in regard to uh, constructing an Eruv, which utilizes uh, sea boundaries as part of the Eruv. And it, it's quite fascinating in that way. And it actually goes back to 1962. Rabbi Lam at the time was not yet president of Yeshiva University. That would come in another 14 years. And at the time, he was serving as the rabbi of uh, relatively newly minted, or at least within his first four years or so. So still on the earlier side of his tenure at the Jewish Center in Manhattan. And one of the major issues that came up at that time was the construction of an Eruv. Is it permissible to construct an Eruv in Manhattan? Is it too akin to a public domain to constitute an Eruv? Is that allowed or not? And there were many who were vociferously opposed on Jewish legal grounds to the construction of such an Eruv. And actually, one of the arguments that they made is that the seawalls that surrounds uh, the island of Manhattan are not sufficient to constitute an Eruv. And this became <laughs> one of the central issues of the the debate there is an amazing uh, kind of uh, coincidence that we have the opportunity to discuss exactly this line because as you know and I know I promise this was not planned it just it worked out perfectly that you chose this line and it, this literally is one of the issues that he uh, he needed to address and a few months before the construction and ultimately the promulgation by Rabbi Lamb and his colleagues in New York City at the time the Upper West Side in particular around uh, the Eruv and it's a highly controversial Eruv is actually delivered in a sermon in 1962 in Shabbat HaGadol, the Shabbat before Pesach, which is appropriate, because here we are in Erevin. Erevin is essentially uh, an appendage or a continuation of the laws with regard to carrying on Shabbat. So Shabbat and Erevin, these two tractates, really go hand in hand, and we're shortly, in just a short number of days, we're going to be transitioning to tractate Sachim to learn about the laws of Passover and Rabbi Lam actually addressed on the eve of Passover, the Sabbath immediately prior to Passover, he addressed directly in this sermon in 1962 the question of the legitimacy of this era. He develops a, an extensive line of argument about exactly this issue. 
just to stop for a second and clarify it to those who still are baffled a little bit by Aruvin, the, the notion here would be that since you need to create like a circumference in order to define a certain boundary, the notion of whether or not the seawalls around Manhattan, which is basically an island, can constitute or can be legally considered part of the Aruv was the question at hand with the objectors saying, well, no, they can't. And therefore, the island of Manhattan is not clearly defined and porous. Mm -hmm. And Rabbi Lamb coming down on the other end of this debate. Now, please tell us uh, what it is that he said. Thank you for clarifying. Rabbi Lamb maintained, and this is not his own innovative position, nor was it the only issue that was debated. I just want to be clear on that as well. There were a number of other major issues that were points of contention, but this is just one of them. But Rabbi Lamb's position was essentially following a number of others prior to him that exactly that, that the seawalls, although not necessarily immediately visible to people on Manhattan, if you live on an island and it's a large enough island, those seawalls might be cliffs all the way down on all sides of your island, but you couldn't necessarily see those seawalls. It wasn't obvious to you. If you're, for example, in the center of an island such as Manhattan, so for example, you're uh, living as uh, Rabbi Lamb himself and many of his congregants did, living on Central Park West. So Central Park is located in the middle of the island, the middle of Manhattan. And you would walk from there to synagogue, for example, and perhaps visit a few friends over the course of the Sabbath, uh, you would at no point of any reason really to come to encounter the edges of the island such that you would see the actual walls, the seawalls that surrounds the island of Manhattan. So the question was really, to what extent can we really assume that these seawalls, which in no way immediately affect the experience of many of the people who are actually living on a daily basis on Manhattan Island, you know, does that mean is that they are disqualified from being utilized as an Eruv? Or as Rabbi Land maintains, no. The category of an Eruv, of being completely surrounded, is not necessarily a function only of human perception, but it's a really a legal question as to whether or not there is a wall, as it were, that surrounds the island. And if that is indeed the case, and the wall is tall enough, which is, as we say in a number of other instances, is 10 tzvachim, 10 handbreadths high, is the halachic, is the Jewish legal criteria with regard to a wall. So then it really has no bearing that I might not encounter that wall at any point over the course of my experience over a typical Sabbath. Nonetheless, if there's a legal wall there with perhaps uh, very, very small breaches, uh, you know, places where the seawall is extremely shallow and therefore they're very, very small breaches, nonetheless, those breaches are not enough to constitute any uh, any uh, legally objectionable component to the Arab, and therefore Rabbi Lamb argued and uh, and uh, acted upon his uh, conviction that uh, indeed one could go ahead and construct an Arab uh, in the city of Manhattan, specifically in his case uh, on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. And so, thanks to him, we may now safely carry on Shabbat. Rabbi, thank you so much for this delightful and enlightening discussion. Thank you so much for your time. It's a pleasure being together. And those who want to look at the stunning and newly available treasure trove of Rabbi Lamb's works and sermons, which I have to tell you on a personal note, I've been reading them now for, for the past few days. It is shocking how incredibly pertinent, relevant, and kind of alive they feel. Some of them, you could have sworn that these are sermons given three weeks ago. Where do we go to find them? 
So uh, the URL is yu.edu slash lamb-heritage, and you can find everything there. Or you could just Google uh, Lamb Heritage Archives, and it'll come up essentially immediately. There's also an opportunity to sign up for weekly emails there, so everyone can find that information right there on the webpage. I will do so, and I highly recommend that everyone else will as well. Thank you so much, Rabbi Senensky, for being our guest today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoy this show, please go and rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes, Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly portion of Dafiomi. I'm your host, Leah Liebowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross, and our editor is Paul Ruest. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash takeone or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic, and we'll see you again soon.